I'm Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood Podcast Episode 640. The Surgeon General warns that virtual reality may be hazardous to your health. This is the Electric Sisterhood, home of the original. The fucking original. Girl Gaming to Gadget and Anime Podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Ninja. How you doing, girl? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I got a little wine in my cup. It's a good Sunday. It's a great Sunday. I mean, it's raining, but... It's going to stop like any minute now, and then it's going to be an amazeball Sunday. You know, it's been raining up here. I know, but that's one of the things that I've learned since I moved. You no, know, now I can say that. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like this up here. It's right. like this up here. Right. And now I, don't, are, I won't fact, share in the weather experience with you anymore. No. We're in different Uria codes. Hose in different Uria codes. Oh, snap. I'm in the 305. Oh, my God, bro. It's so real now. It's like the realest thing now. Yeah, so just in case you haven't been paying attention to the podcast, I have moved. I now live in Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. And so, yeah, I am in the 305. I am in, like, Mr. Pitbull land. You are Mr. Pitbull land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am. I am. You are. Mm-hmm. You made it. You did it. I did it. But that's not what we're going to talk about on this podcast, although we've already talked about that. What we're talking about on this podcast is all the stuff that happened at E3 this year. I'll be honest with you. I am still reeling from a lot of the announcements at E3. I don't know about you. Some really good. I think overall, a lot of the things that we wanted to hear something about, save one or two, we got a nugget for. Yeah. I was like, okay. You know, because we, we, we talked about on our podcast, there were some things that we really wanted to hear about. Yep. You know, and for the most part, the things that we really wanted to hear about, to your point, were mentioned. I'm still upset that there wasn't anything about Beyond Good and Evil 2, because I, but, I... But they told you that they weren't going to say anything. They, they did, but... Uh, all right, so here here's how I think would be the best way to structure this conversation. Because there's a lot of information, a lot of games, a lot of peripherals, a lot of stuff. I think this episode, we should really focus on talking about the briefings and then a couple of key games. Okay. And then next week when we get together, we can talk about any like residual stuff. Show enough. Okay, so I'm going to start with, of all the briefings that I saw, which I watched EA's briefing, I watched Square's briefing, Microsoft's briefing, Ubisoft's briefing, Bethesda's briefing, and the Nintendo Direct. Okay. 
I saw. Damn near I watched. I watched Ubi, Bethesda, Microsoft. I actually did not watch PlayStation. PlayStation didn't um, have one. Well, that's oh, that's why I didn't watch it. They know there. What did I? Oh, then maybe I just saw some bogus articles about the five because we heard from about Project Scarlet, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. Yep. So I thought maybe we'd hear a little... Right, 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 right. I mean, Sony did announce some of the stuff about their hardware for the next PS5, but they didn't have a briefing, and they made that announcement about the hardware right before E3 started. So those articles were circulating, and that's probably what you saw, was the articles of them talking about the hardware. Okay. It was like the most right, passive that, aggressive. We're not here, but we still want you to talk. Like, about hey, us. we heard someone was wearing a really awesome dress. We're also wearing an awesome dress, right? <laughs> and there's a photo on my Instagram to prove it. <laughs> oh, I'm a catty bitch, <laughs> right? That, that's basically what what Sony did. <laughs> Sony. So I I want to start with kind of the briefing that I thought was the most meh. Okay. And surprisingly, for many of you guys, it was it was Ubi. I know. I agree. Like I had high expectations, and on honesty, I don't know why. I I think part of me was like, okay, so we get a new assassins because it's Ubi, right? So we get a new right. assassins. I the leak had already happened about the Ghost Recon game. Yep. Which I'm not a huge Ghost Recon fan, but it it's another one. I was hoping, as I mentioned on our previous podcast, okay, not the clip show, but the one where we actually talked, that I was hoping that we would get a new Splinter Cell because Sam Fisher deserves redemption after conviction. And, you know, I knew that they would do another Just Dance. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh. nothing with rabbits. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about the Just Dance thing, okay? Like, I actually kind of liked the hype leading up to the dance number, mm-hmm. not so much the dance number. Yep. But, like, I kind of liked the whole, the like... The production piece that they did was really good. Yeah. Yep. I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't play Just Dance, but I, I'm you with you. You gained some respect for it because of that promo piece. Yes. When you think I was about like, it. You go Just Dance, right. 10. Right, because, like, seriously, I, I gained more respect for Just Dance because of that promo, because it reminded me... It has been out for a decade. And, you know, there were a lot of rhythm games that have come and have gone. Come and gone. But Just Dance is still here. And there there were a flood in the market of dance games. And of all of them, the one that has remained, grown an audience, and increased its library in size throughout all of it was Just Dance. So I was like, you know what? I got to slow clap it up for Just Dance. Because even though I, I'm i not an avid player of the game, I have played it before. I don't own it, but I have played it before. I was like, cheers and props to you for being able to keep that longevity because it's difficult to keep an audience. And when you think about it, it's one of the last remaining popular rhythm games out right now. So, like, yep. I'm, I'm not going to hate on it. I'm going to give you your due. Props to you, right? Right. So, but overall, the Ubisoft briefing, it just felt very meh. And I think that part of it for me was because, one, there was new no, there was no new Assassin's game. It was that they were adding story creator to Odyssey. Yeah, And, and it, it just double tapped on a thought that I'd had before, and I've expressed it on this podcast. I think that 
Ubisoft does not know how to finish Desmond Miles' story. So they're not going to touch it. I absolutely so they're not, agree. Yep. So they're not touching it. They, they've they gone as far back before Desmond as they possibly can now in a way that makes sense. Because, you know, with Assassin's Creed, uh, what was the one in um, Egypt? Oh, God. That's the one I didn't play that you were like, there's a chocolate zaddy in there. Yeah, with Bayek in it. it uh, the one before Odyssey. And I'm blanking on the name now, which really sucks because I played like the Jesus out of it. I've oh my god, like, you were such a hardcore I put assassin in like girl. 80, I put in like 80-something hours into that game, and like, this is how much it didn't stick with me. I can't remember the name of it right now. It's absolutely, like, I'm I'm drawing a huge blank. Uh, wow. Oh, wow. Dude, really yeah, I gotta look it up on the internet because I'm just like, why can't I remember all these titles? This is really bad. But I, I just I just feel like since really Jade left, like they just they just don't know what to do with the story. But which one was it? Origins. Jesus oh. Christ. I I just I could not remember that for the life of me. But yeah, Origins. Which Origins was the Assassin's game that was like this is what led to the Assassin Order first being developed. So I was like, oh, okay, all right. So we've gone all the way back to, like, the beginning of the Assassins. So we can't go any further back than this. So, like, the next game that has to come out has to be moving everything forward, right? Because we have to know what the hell Juno is actually doing and wreaking havoc in, you know, our current time. And who, since Desmond's now dead, is going to step up and stop her. And then they announced Odyssey. And I was like, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. Because you just showed me how the assassins were started. So how do you have a game of assassins before assassins right. were, were you, a thing? You, 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 you can't. Right? But I went along with it because I was like, the game looks beautiful. And hey, I get to run around Greece as a chick being a badass. That's a good time. And don't get me wrong. I had a good time in the game. But I'm done with Odyssey. Like... After the Atlantis DLC, like, I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And so I was expecting a new Assassin's game. And instead, what I got was, hey, here you can create your own story in the game. Now, please understand me, guys. I'm not shitting on the story creator. Because I think the story creator is a really good idea. And what it allows people to do, anybody who is actually playing the game... You become a member of the community. You can actually go in and create your own story. So you can create your own campaign. So you can basically go in and set up a, okay, you're going to you have to travel to this area. You're going to have to talk to these three quest givers. Here are the quests that they're going to give you. You have to go and do these quests and do these things. And then at the end, you will finish it and boop, you get a weapon or something. Like you can literally create a campaign. And then you can put it out onto the UB servers, and other people can play your campaign. And just download huh. it. Hmm. And play it. It's a really interesting idea. It, it, it takes choose-your-own-adventure literally to the pinnacle choose-your-own-adventure level because you can create your own adventure and then put it out into the world for people globally to be able to choose it to play. I love the concept, but it's not what I wanted. What I wanted is a completion 
to the goddamn story. You created this huge cliffhanger with Desmond sacrificing himself to save the world and stop evil from getting out in the world and then hinted that, uh, guess what? Even though he did it, down the road here, just a little bit, Juno's actually able to affect people. You know, the one that came before, the precursor that wanted to just obliterate all of human life and start again because her husband died. Like... She's out in the world, and you have just left me with this big question mark of, well, is the world okay? Does she win? <laughs> like, W's, T's, and also with the F's, though. And instead, you've taken me through all these pre-journeys, which, don't get me wrong, I still contend that Syndicate is an amazing Assassin's game, and I loved Origins. Even though I forgot the name, I put in 80-plus hours on that shit. It's a beautiful game. But come the fuck on, Yubi. Like, complete the story. Or just own up and be like, we're done with assassins. We've done all we can do with it. We're going to take these people and build a new IP. Complete the fucking story. Finish what you start. Finish what you start. Oh, it made me so mad. So, and and then that was it. There was no Splinter Cell. You know, they talked about adding some more DLC things into Rainbow Six. You know, it really felt to me like before the leak happened, Yubi thought that their big, like, rawr thing was going to be the Ghost Recon game. Ooh. And, meh. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that one. They were they were putting all their eggs in a basket that already had a big hole in it. I, I think that they were really counting on, you know, more on Ghost Recon. Woo, look at this. And that they were bringing in AI companions, which they needed to. I'll be honest with you. The whole reason why I didn't finish Wildlands is because I couldn't regularly get a group together to actually play the damn game. Because you really needed a team of four to do all of the missions. And so if you couldn't get your friends on to play with you when you were ready to play, you were having to run a mission that was really designed for four players with one player. And I'm just not that good on a run and gun. Like, I'm, I, I fully own that. Like, my skill set isn't at that level. And so there were, I got to a point where, like, there were just missions that I could not finesse enough to complete because I refused to play Wildlands on easy. And so I just abandoned the game because you didn't have, like, AI. So if you couldn't get people together, you'd be like, okay, well, here are your three companions that are computer-controlled, but at least you have the companions, right? Right. Well, they put yes. that back. Yay! <laughs> Yay, you can play with your friends again! You, you could, well, you could play with your friends before, but now you can play by yourself now you can, and have digital... Well, what if your friends are the AIs, though? I mean, some of us, that's how we live in single right? player. It's okay. <laughs> digital friends count. They do. They absolutely but, do. But it's Never like, for me, do. it's a little too late to put that back into Wildlands, like, which oh. they've done. And and they've said that Ghost Recon will have it to begin with. It's, that's lovely. I think that's great. But like, meh. So I just, I don't know. For most of UB's thing, I was just like, this just feels really lackluster, I guess. And I think it was because those those big things were missing. You know, a new Assassins, a new look at Beyond Good and Evil 2. You know, these IPs that are theirs alone, you know. There, there wasn't any of that. No Splinter Cell. 
you know, there wasn't even a far cry. So it just I mean, granted, I think they I think they ran out of strong strong ideas for Far Cry, mm-hmm. which is why we didn't see anything. Which is, which is fine, but it 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 just felt like maybe you didn't need such a big production for what you actually produced and delivered. I mean, you know, you could have just done a digital treehouse because the majority of their briefing was, here's DLC and updates that we have to games that you already own, or we hope that you own it. If you don't own, maybe you'll buy now. And here's Tuna Games. Thank you (laughs) for coming. Oh, and then they announced their own subscription service. Because there's not enough subscription services on the planet. Now for $14.99 a month, you can pay to play the entirety of the UB library on your console or on Stadia. And I was just like, really though? Really think so? I think you should just stick with like, because nobody uses the UB store. So why do you think that they're going to use Uplay Plus? Because no? Because they have faith in themselves. I mean, just keep putting your shit in Games Pass and like, Steam or Epic Store, and just call it a day. Why build your own additional thing on top of that? Because you're not going to win. Maybe, between... maybe they feel like they can generate their own enough uh, buzz for their own platform well, than I, I think, what they're getting on the other one. I, I think that that's part of it for sure. You know, I think that you know they look at EA's model because EA is doing pretty well with Origins and EA their subscription thing for consoles, which I have a subscription to the EA console platform just because personally I don't have faith in EA so I absolutely want to try before I buy an EA game especially because they like to give people or to do that early access here's this game that's not fully done but you can touch it now well it's it's not the early access thing it's just that I got burned on Star Wars Battlefront 2 you're not the only one and so after I got burned on that I was like you know what I would rather pay, I think I pay like 70 bucks or something like that for the year for EA and then be able, for EA Pass, whatever the hell thing it's called, and be able to download the games when they're available day one and try the game and actually see, because, you know, no one does demos anymore, but see if the game is actually worth full price before I buy it. And so that's the main reason why I did it, because there's a few games that EA does that I actually enjoy. You know, I enjoy Battlefield, and I enjoy, you know, Star Wars games, pretty much. Didn't, since like, we're talking about games, and yeah. we're talking about Ubi, was it Ubi who announced Deathloop? Was it? Or was that Bethesda? I feel like that was Bethesda. I just, so I mean, this is just me being, you know. I feel like it was. But here, here. So I mean, I'm I'm just kind of fixating on this game because, well, one, I think I'm confused because I know the people who announced it had very deep accents that were like French. Yeah, that was Bethesda. Okay, and we'll so get to I, that. I'm I was mixing my BA with my UB. Yeah, yeah. Don't then. do that. Don't don't mix those up because I'm important. I'm about Deathloop. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 get to that. We'll actually, get there. Actually, let's go to that because I I don't want to shit on UB anymore. But it was very meh for me. I was I, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I was just like, eh. It's it's like that dad at the kitchen table when your son tells you the thing you didn't want to hear your son say. And I don't mean this in like a harsh way, but like, dad, I want to play the oboe instead of the French horn. And, like, your dad played the French horn, so, like, he has so much pride in the French horn. Right. 
So like he's now just you're like just being a bitch and switching to oboe, but it's your right. Life and I gotta let you, but like I don't really have right. To like but you're it. like, I kind of wanted us to share in this thing, mm-hmm. and now now yep. we can't in I the way that I that. thought. Yep. That that's the type of ugh right. that I'm feeling. So why don't you talk about Bethesda? So one. <laughs> so I mean, I caught I caught it obviously after it actually like happened. And I stayed away from social media because, you know, the meme, the meme train was a chug chugging. A choo choo. Like after every single presser. And I do have to say that I felt the most purest energy come out of Bethesda. <laughs> like, and I'm not even, and I mean, definitely from one pinpointed area, but I just mean overall. Mm-hmm. I just really like the fact that, you know, it, it was Bethesda who was also like, you know, we. Was it them who spliced in their fans, or was that Ubi? Because now I'm confused. I'm blurring my Ubis and my Bes a bit. So, uh, oh, who? Yeah, was that Ubi who was like, "You fans, we love you." That was Bethesda. That was Bethesda. Okay, yeah. So, like, and I really liked that because you know it's like, hey, like we're we're cool people, we're cool cats, but we wouldn't exist. If we didn't have the fans, which I actually really appreciated that they had these little mini breaks to be like, let's look at some, you know, some testimonies from fans. But at the same time, I was like, hey, Bethesda, did you do this because you don't have that many things to share this year? Well, like, here's the thing, though. I feel like comparatively, Bethesda had more to talk about. Yes, I, abso- I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And I also really like the fact that we saw a whole bunch of games um, out of Bethesda that are... I'm going to say kind of all over the place. Like mm-hmm. you could definitely tell that like they they had their they had their staple flagship stuff that they wanted to tease out a little bit. We got some new we got some new IPs out there, Deathloop particularly one. And then, you know, you just saw their excitement over I think all of them just seemed really excited about what they were showcasing. So, for me, out of the B the BE uh presser Deathloop was the biggest one that I was like, oh, hell yeah. Really? More so um, than Ghostwire? Because I thought yeah, you would have... Like, they kind of... So, so I got blindsided by the pure joy that... <laughs> that, um... Oh, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say her name wrong. The, the lead who was talking about Ghostwire... Because, I mean, I was already kind of, like, low in terms of my energy when I was watching it. And then when she came on, I was like, she could sell me shit right now. And her exuberance over this shit would make me want to buy the collector's edition of it. So then I had to go back and rewatch Ghostwire. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm definitely on board with this. But her energy alone already kind of, like, sold me before I digested what that was about. Ikumi Nakamura. Ikumi! Super cute. Oh my god. If all of E3 could just be her talking about games, that'd be great. Believe it or not, I think Deathloop just kind of, just a little bit, like, beat out Ghostwire for me. Well, only Death, because Deathloop beats out Ghostwire for me for one reason, which I think may or may not be the same as yours. But go ahead. So, one, I kind of liked its aesthetic a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying because both leads are POCs. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, brownie points for that BE. Like, I see that you see me. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and I mean, that has its own, like, luggage for me to unpack later. But I just think, one, 
I like the idea of like time time loops are kind of a thing right now in a lot of media. Like you're seeing a lot of time travel tropes mixing into other genres, mm-hmm. not even just in games, but in movies, books. Like we are apparently are we're fixating on time. And I actually kind of like the simple fact that we've kind of got this black... Oh, this is going to be... This is not what I mean when I say it. But it kind of reminds me of that spy v. spy. Mm-hmm. Just elevated a little bit. Yep. Because you've got these two super assassin spies who are, are caught in this death loop, this time loop. And the only way to break it is for one of them to kill the other one. However, it seems from the little bit of the um, trailer and stuff that we saw, the little bit that they teased, that it seems like even with the death of X or Y, because I'm just going to call them X or Y, it seems like that person starts over. So, like, that's not what the death loop is. They are confused as to what's keeping them in this pattern. But this is all they have to go on, so I'm actually really curious about eventually, maybe in the game... They find the thing that one makes makes the other the rival truly weaken to like a true death to truly end the death loop. But visually, it kind of had me captivated. Aesthetically, it had me captivated. I'm kind of on this time loop thing. Like I'm I'm really kind of into what could I infer from the all the instances of this of this loop that they're in. Like I'm looking forward to seeing how that will manifest the more you play. I'm hoping that's, like, an aspect to the world a little bit. Like, it's just really kind of fresh to me. And I think that was really refreshing. And it just, I think it was, like, the first one that came out of the gate where I was like, oh, okay, Deathloop. Like, I think I'm kind of about you. And I also like that, like, it's kind of spy on spy, but also kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Death Planet and, like, all those those um, those movies done by, um, God, what's his name? Robert Rodriguez. Like Death Proof and Planet, all those. Like Robert it kind of had that. Yes, it kind of gave me that kind of that saison a little bit with its stylization. I am kind of intrigued. So like that peaked up the the um, you know Solid Snake red um, exclamation point of what? Like it, it tickled it tickled all the right things. So like I have the highest hopes for it. Like. I'm I'm jumping into this time this death loop, so I'm hoping I won't be disappointed. The rivals are POCs, and they're also male and female. So I actually like the energies that we're possibly going to get. Their motivations are going to be different. The skill sets are going to be very are going to be varied based on that, or at least I hope they are. And like I'm legit psyched. What about you? What's your What's your reason to be like yay well, death loop? Well, I mean, here's the thing, I. I'm really interested in really how you feel about Ghostwire because I know that you're a big Shinji Mikami fan. <gasps> yes. And okay. so the game is made by his protege. I Ikumi. <laughs> who literally is the cutest thing on the planet. Oh my I god. I have as my cover photo on Facebook uh, like, a rendering of her and Keanu uh, which yes. is the two. Uh, yeah, that has to happen as my so, cover photo. So when when Shinji came out and then he announced Ikumi. Like for one, I think I had I had said in one of our previous shows that I was looking I was definitely looking for some more scary games to come out this year. Shinji is kind of the master of that. 
And I mean, when he first came out, I was like, "Oh shit, are we gonna? Are, are we going back? Are we get? Are we getting some?" And it was okay that we didn't. But you know, the fact that his his dev team was there, I'm like, "All right, so this might not be fully his baby, but like, we're gonna get something. We're gonna get something good." And believe it or not, like, I definitely believe Ghostwire is going to be phenomenal. Um, I have my highest hopes for it, and I mean, Ikumi is just this giant ball of sunshine, and. So the thing about Ghostwire that's intriguing to me is it it has spooky, suspenseful horror elements in it, but it's definitely outside of their wheelhouse because it's kind of actiony, combat, and kind of uh, how else did she describe it? Uh, she said it's spooky. Yes, and that's really all I, I like. I was sold at that point. Basically, the the way that Ghostwire Tokyo plays out is. Very you are to, you are a person who I guess you have some you're, type of you're no you're a detective so basically it is a like a detective horror but it's not horrible horror as much as it is suspense I mean so, I'd say it's kind of like take the one hundred put it in Tokyo also put some ghosts in it that that requires that you've actually seen or know what the 100 is okay so okay if you haven't seen the 100 or the four or the 4400 i think literally what happens is like a bunch of people just vanish like rapture style and in the 100 they come back and like they try to assimilate back into society Whereas the 4400 have to learn how to, like, be with themselves. And then they figure out that they've been, like, pulled to, like, another parallel universe. So, like, but they don't know it. So, like, it's kind of, it's kind of like that. So, apparently in Tokyo during Ghostwire, there are these mysterious disappearances that are happening. And you as this detective are trying to figure out what's causing the disappearances whether they are supernatural in nature, because we, we do got some ghosts. You know, this is Tokyo. It's like, it's weird if there's a ghost story. There's like 80 ghosts. There's like always a new ghost story in Tokyo, apparently. You know, or if it's not paranormal and it's just some shady shit going down. And I mean, they didn't give you, they don't give you too many things to go on whether or not this detective truly has like some sensitivity to the supernatural but i'd imagine if they're combating ghosts they have to have some type of sensitivity you don't necessarily get to see your detective either because they wear a very interesting um get up this detective clearly does have some combative skills like that of a ninja and also a cop that makes sense i i like me a good mystery i like me a good spook I have always preferred Japanese horror stories to traditional American horror because, one, they're always willing to go there to that place that, like, we're just... I don't... It's not that America's not ready to go there. I just don't think we we have the nuances yet to really do it justice right yet. Okay. Because we have our own... We have our own aesthetic for horror. And, you know, so, like, we've got our pot of chili... Tokyo's got their pot of chili. Both chilies are really good, but sometimes I want B chili, not A chili. Right. You know, I'm all about it. And I mean, I hope Shinji has some, I don't want to say 
power, but, like, I'd like him to have some type of oversight. Oh, you better believe, I'm sure, that he advised, but, like, this is definitely... This is Akumi's baby. baby. And, and the joy that she had in presenting, and I also think that she did an amazing job presenting in English. I know. She was like, I'm going to try really... It's like, you did it, girl. Right? But You like, did it. Like, my favorite moment of... Uh, the second favorite moment of the evening... Uh, was that because I had watched the Xbox briefing earlier, so I'll, I'll close on talking about that. But I just thought all the way around the way that Ghostwire was presented, it was presented in a way of where I was like, this is actually a game that I'll probably play. Whereas like Evil Within was definitely like a hell no for me. Um, well, that well that's because that really kind of the thing I really liked about Evil Within is the simple fact that the story, while big is so contained when you think about it on that bigger scale because because all of this is happening in like that subconscious neuro level of of a person i mean granted that person's a psychopath you know and such but still like it goes to show you that the scale of your game does not have to be super big and like a super big open world. It doesn't always have to have all of that stuff out there in the world because you can manifest all of that stuff in your brain. Yeah, the, the brain's a much scarier place than the world. It is. And each and each brain is so different that horror is different across across people, across culture, across like it it is the scariest thing. Like, if our brains ever turned on us, we'd be fucked. Well, sometimes our brains do turn on us individually. And but I mean, but I mean, um, like if there was a like if there was ever a game, kind of like beyond, um, not beyond two souls, but like um, uh, Detroit, mm-hmm. where like if we could somehow take our if you if you took our subconsciouses out of our bodies, like San Junipero, Black Mirror. If you've never watched that episode, do it's amazing. If they were somehow where we could load our subconscious into this server, and I mean, I'm sure we've kind of played around with this in a game where all of a sudden too many subconsciouses, I mean, essentially evil with it, you get too many really, really super scary consciousnesses. My brain is totally like broken record, like, but you you put a really dangerous mind in control and then see how it makes other subconsciouses like dance and respond. It's intriguing and it is terrifying, but I actually kind of like the fact that they, they brought it back home. They brought that traditional and I don't want not traditional because I mean, we're not Japanese. We're not from Tokyo, but like that traditional Tokyo vibe like, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, if psychopaths met, like, spooky horror stories and then also possibly, like, a detective shinobi samurai type of feel. Like, all these things are kind of simmering in this pot and, like, Ikumi is just stirring it and, like, we're getting the wafts and the wafts are good, I y'all. just, I just really appreciated that it's not a survival horror game, but it's more of a suspense thriller because those I can enjoy. You know, I'm not about the the jump scare, and I'm not, you know, the, oh, there's going to be jump scares in this. Though. I, I I think that they're going to, but I feel like they're going to be more on the psychological side and not like just a boom. Here's a thing in your face. 
I think that it's gonna. I, I I think that there's going to be a you know you're going into an area and there's a spirit and you think that it's benevolent and surprise it's actually not. I think that it's going to be more of that because there are spirits that you're going to encounter and they and it can be said like it's up to you to listen to their stories and figure out are they you know a good spirit or a bad spirit and that i i can be all on board for it's the the jump cut to a thing through your eyeball that i'm just like no that's not an enjoyable thing for me you know the the gore side and the super violent side i don't enjoy in survival horror but the emotional and you know the suspenseful is this going to work? Is it not going to work? You're timed on a thing. You have to figure it out, getting through the logic. Those kinds of things, which are, you know, key in the genre, I do enjoy. You know, I, I like psychological theater. And this game feels much more focused on that than necessarily, you know, kind of the trope tactics of survival horror. And so I, right now, from what I've seen so far... I'm actually interested in playing this game, which, you know, I can't say the same for Evil Within or Resident Evil, you know, and those types of games. But I'm very intrigued by Ghostwire. I actually think the latest Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7. No, I've watched people play. I I could not play that game. I could not do it. There's no way. I think I actually I wouldn't have gotten through the part where what's her face cut off my hand i i if i'd physically been playing the game instead of watching somebody play that game i would have actually physically vomited <laughs> like that's resident evil 7 was like nothing i, I enjoyed watching people play that game but like even the the fight with the mom where she's mostly bugs like i got i mean physically. she a lot of bugs though i got marguerite Ill. turned into like all types of bugs <laughs> So, like, physically ill. Okay, if you say so. Look, I know my constitution, okay? Like, I could watch people play, and I did. I watched several people play. I watched Markiplier play it. I watched Jacksepticeye play it. And I watched Game Grumps play it. And I watched them first try to play it in VR, and then the moment where Aaron was like, fuck this shit, and left VR. Yeah, no. Like, I know everyone thinks VR is, like, the next space. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Like... Here, here's here's my stance on this, and I think I've said this once or twice before. Like, I definitely think that there's there's viability in this full immersion. However, I am a sensitive being, and God forbid, like they the day that they completely ramp up the gaming experience, like kind of like Ready Player One, but like actually good. <laughs> like, I would worry. That I would, like, be plugged into a super horror natural game that I know is playing around with my subconscious and whatever, and it spooks me so much I have a heart attack and I die. Like, and then I gotta haunt the game, and then that becomes its own ordeal, you know. <laughs> like, let's not, let's not get past Uncanny Valley with this immersion, because I think that we're gonna be dealing in a territory that our fragile bodies and our psychological, emotional energy is just not prepared to handle. Look, like I said, I enjoy watch pe watching people play those games. I enjoy watching people play games like it. You know, I could not play Until Dawn. I enjoyed watching you, and I enjoyed watching some Let's Plays of people playing oh, the I game. 
Oh, but Super I, Massive Games, please come back and do another one. But I wouldn't be able to do that. All right, let's let's keep it moving because I, I, I want to, you know, talk about some other things. You know, it was nice to see some more on Wolfenstein uh, Youngblood. I think that that's going to be a dope game as well. Uh, I like the co-op aspect of it. I didn't play Wolfenstein 2. I actually, when I saw Youngbloods, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a way that... I could we could play, I could play that over the internet because I was like that'd be a fun game for us sisters to play. Yes, because they're sisters. Because they're sisters, sisters and we're sisters, and we could be like sister sisters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it ha- if it's only Couch Coop or not. That's one thing I haven't been able to get clarification on. But if you are able to ad hoc jump in, jump out, and do online play, you better believe that we'll play that and we'll stream it. Because uh, I, I am going to get the game. I'm definitely getting the game. Um, I think at this point I was kind of like, BJ, Blaskowitz, like, have you not retired yet? Have and, you not and taken see, a break? Learned that, yes, yes, he has. And the mantle has now been passed on to other Nazi hunters. And that's a good thing. So I was interested in that. I'm not a Skyrim player, but uh, the dragon stuff that they added on looked dope. I like dragons. Hell, dragons are dope. Hell yeah, Khajiits. Yeah, just all I about just, being cat folks. Just yeah, people seem to be really excited about being cat people. I mean, we were cat people in the original Skyrim. Just they oh. finally decided to like enhance the storyline of Khajiits. Ah, oh. because all they ever stipulated is that Khajiits, you know, are sly and sneaky and steal stuff. You know, all those stereotyping stuff that you know minorities mm-hmm. are used to. Yep. So, like, but they didn't go into, they never really addressed where the, um, I don't want to say homeworld, but, like, the, those main stomping grounds of the Khajiit are. Mm-hmm. And then they finally addressed it in this. So, it's like, oh, we're finally getting that backstory that we've been wanting for a while. So, that's nice. But, yeah, I Good think, job. I think overall, like, Bethesda, I think, had, you know, a really full show and I liked, you know, that they brought Ghostwire and Deathloop, you know, to completely like non-linked new games. You know, I think I, I'm not a Doom player, but what they're doing with Doom Arena, a Doom Eternal looks really good. I mean it was running kind of crazy. Um I was like, hey, we totally put a death we totally put Battle Royale in this. I'm like, why? Because everybody's playing Battle Royale and everything. I told you I that know. was going to happen. And you're like, nah. And I was like, look up. Hey, guess what? Yeah. Everything has Battle Royale now. There's well, Battle Royale Tetris, for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, it's everywhere. But I, I did think that, you know, they did a really good job in showing off, you know, Rage 2 stuff. I also thought that it was really smart of them to talk about and, frankly, fix... Fallout 76. You know what like, the sad thing is? Mm. Is I, just, I bought Fallout 4 before 70. Uh, I didn't buy 76. Mm-hmm. But I was like, if I can play 4, because like, I, I high key am just going to admit that I've never been a fan of Fallout. That's fine. I didn't, I didn't this fall is a safe into. Space. I didn't fall into. I never. I, n- I didn't get exposed to it until way later, and I think I got tarnished because I had a circle of friends who were very fandom-centric in it, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're in a fandom, you don't realize just how kind of outwardly cringy you can be. But when you're outside of it and you see a very dedicated, engrossed fandom, like you kind of see the other side of that that shadow. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'm like, ooh, I'm way too late for this. I can't hop on this because I'll get I'll get martyred for even trying to come through. Like, bitch, you don't play Eve. Like that kind of. That kind of stigmatism. So I kept my distance from it. And then when 4 came out, I was like, I'm going to play 4 and see if I can't wrap my head around what makes this a thing. And, and I, I couldn't. I tried, I tried building a house. I tried to save a bunch of people. I sent my dog out a lot. My dog would come back with stuff, which was nice. But like I think it I, I just missed the 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 good spot, I guess, for it. So when seventy six came out, I was like, oh I'm not I was not intrigued. I wasn't pulled in and I, I didn't buy it or play it. So I I didn't play it either. I I And now it has a battle royale. Yeah, it it does. Or King of the Mountain technically. Yeah, Battle Royale. That's what it has. The most important thing is that they were putting more campaigns in and actually putting NPCs in. And frankly, I think 76 was like a test to see, could we actually do this where it's just PvP only and not have to build these other things? Because then they could turn out fallouts much faster, right? right? And they learned very quickly, nope, actually mm. that doesn't work. Oh, believe it. You know what? We actually didn't talk about this because it was kind of out of the shitty, the the less impressive presser. But Watchdog Legion kind of, kind of, kind of poked the um, inquiry bear in Panda. Really? And I, yes. Why? And I, and I, I didn't bring it up because I have no interest in it. But why? Okay, so I mean, I. And I mean, this is really the sliverest, the smallest, the smallest of interest in this. Because I played one. I did not play I, two. I did play one. I did not play two. Because I played one. For me, I think the thing that I like the most, like from what they showed us in their presser, was that freaking old lady. Like... I was I was very intrigued with oh my god if I could make an elite force of elderly women I'd call them the red hats after the red hat like society that is like a real thing like I would want to like oceans 14 with badass old ladies like I kind of <laughs> want to see that narrative okay like, I kind of do. Like, I don't need, I don't need MIB. I don't need, you know, MI6. I don't need James Bond. I just need old women from all walks of life, you know, hacking, shooting. So, so let's take this up back and actually explain what the hell you're talking about. Because all right, context so I'm ta- is everything. So I'm talking about Watchdog Legion, which is like Watch Dogs 3. Which, if you've played a Watch Dogs game, literally you're a dude, well, I mean, at least in the first two games, you were a dude in a hat with a cell phone, and you had magical hacking powers. And you just hacked shit all day until someone saw you hack into something you weren't supposed to hack into, and then you become a target, and then you gotta hack their hack, and then another hack, 
and you're just on your phone all the time, which is essentially life right now anyway. But what's happened now in Legion is you at least, from what they show, start out in London. And they were showing, you know, this resistance because London's been, like, on lockdown. Like, they being, they being watched by Big Brother, like, hardcore. And, like, you know, the resistance is practically everybody. We all can rise up. I think, I think this was in response to Brexit. I don't know. <laughs> but you literally see this guy who is trying to find a drone expert to take out drones because literally they're being policed by, you know, drones like everywhere. And he finds a guy who start who's a cocky upstart and I think it's his initiating mission because you're you're trying to recruit more people into DeadSec. Because whatever happened for Watch Dogs 2 because I know DeadSec was a big thing in Watch Dogs 2, mind you did not play it. But I guess DeadSec didn't accomplish what it wanted to do. And that's sure. why we have Watch Dogs Legion, because... Right, so the big core thing about Watch Dogs Legion it, that are, is new and different from the previous game is, one, you have permadeath for characters. Yep. So you I actually appreciated careful. that. I, I do appreciate permadeath. But the other thing that is big is that who you recruit into dead sec matters because you can recruit anyone so to your point you can recruit you know old women that you come across with elderly women that turns out as you learn their profile they were previously spies and therefore have all the skill sets to you know be lethal like in i think, addition I think to do other helen things. who was the one that they showed was an ex was an ex spy mm-hmm. but she also has high hacking Yep. So, like, she hacks into the system to learn more about the drone expert uh, who's now been, like, kidnapped by, like, Correct. the authorities. So you have to be very... It's a very strategic game now, more so than it's been before, because you have to be strategic about who you recruit and what skills and why you bring them into... And then, on set. top of that, who you send to try to recruit them, because if they die, you don't get that person back. Correct. So, you so know, like, there, there, is a, there is a level here, and I'm intrigued by this. And like I said, I, I really they really sold me on, like, this old lady feeding pigeons, minding her own business... Then puts on a gas mask, walks up to, like, a police officer, and just straight up gacks him in the face. Like, she touched me in my heart because we know how I felt about police in, <laughs> in GTA 4. Yep. I always love to walk up you to cops and just... the police life. I was just a cop killer in the game because yep. I, I appreciate cops and the authority in my actual life but sometimes you just want to let off some steam and in my mind just thinking about an old lady in orthopedic shoes with her nylons like half off of her knee because her garter belt snapped off at 11 and she was like I ain't trying that no more and just seeing her mosey up to this cop who's like oh do you want to walk across the street it's like nah I just want to cap you in your face and just doing it like I am I am high-key intrigued. I don't think I'm going to buy it outright, but I think it's going to be in my top five to entertain buying out outright. Like, it's not 100% yes for me, but I'm like, hey, Watchdog Legion, kind of like where you're going with this. Don't fuck it up. But only kind of. That That's okay. I have absolutely no interest in the game. Okay. All right, so... this old lady assassins... 
Yeah, but you know what? It's not the Gram Squad. Assassin, you know what? The Gram Squad. I'm not gonna be the Golden Girls in. London. Actually, it, I would call them. I'd call them the Bloody Girls, but that's just because they're gonna kill everyone. Well, anyway, so. So I have no interest in that game. I thought Bethesda did a really good job. One of maintaining energy, two bringing fixes that you know I think really were community focused, and that's what I want to give them credit for. Not so much fixing the game, but actually listening to the feedback from the community, from the people who bought the game, who pre-ordered the game, being like, "This isn't a Fallout experience. This isn't our experience. This isn't what we wanted or expected." And then going back in and going, "Okay, we're going to do a year two commitment." After they pretty much made the game like damn near free because of all the, the feedback that they got and things like that, they were putting these things back in there, and that we'll hope that people will come along with us for this journey and and still believe in the franchise. So I give them a lot of credit for that. And again, having really good energy. Uh, throughout their whole show and I thought that you know they came with a lot of new you know they came with doing arena they came with more things for young blood they came with you know new games new IPs and so I give them a lot of credit for that um, I'm going to touch Nintendo really quickly but only really quickly because most of the Nintendo stuff I'm not highly interested in you know I'm not a Pokemon player or and I'm not a big Smash person hey but, you know what but I you am the flock you get the Glock but I am a massive Animal Crossing fan, so to see the new Animal Crossing game made me super fucking pumped. I was about to say, like when I saw when I saw them announce that, I'm like, you know, I've never played an Animal Crossing game, and my husband's like, get out. Oh, wow! I haven't. And I as want much to. as you love Sims, you will fucking. I love know. I know, which is why I need to get on this. Like, yeah, you do. five years you do. ago, but not the mobile game. You need to get on this game, though. You need to get on this game, though. I was like, so, I'll play this because I would love to maintain. I'd love to be a mayor of a town. Oh, yo, Isabella's with dope. Animals, Isabella's dope. Um, Mr. Rossetti still gives me nightmares, though. Um, but anyway. You will love Animal Crossing. I'm pumped for Animal Crossing to come to the Switch. I I cannot wait for that game. And then the only other thing that I really want to touch on on Nintendo side, truly, it was, you know, them hinting at... Well, not hinting, just saying that, like, another uh, Breath of the Wild game was in development. What really yeah. surprised me was kind of the community's reaction which was like, everyone was like, oh my god, this is amazing news, it's so unexpected, ah! Bitch, of course it's expe- expected. Why were you not expecting it? Breath of the Wild made Buku de Monet for Nintendo. Of course they were going to make a sequel to it. Here's, here's, here's my stance on it, okay? Because am I excited for it? Yes. Is Nintendo going to get my money? Yes. Were you not However, expecting they, to, them to be working on a No, because here's, here's my stance on this. Like, it was going to come down this pipeline eventually. I wasn't expecting to see it this soon. But with all the innovative things they did in that world system, there was no way they were going to leave it at that. Bitch, you can climb trees. Bitch. It rains and you can fall off mountains. Like, it, there's too I, many... I think that y'all have forgotten that Breath of the Wild is over two years old. I still think of it's Of course too early. they were working on a sequel. I know, but I, I didn't think they would talk about it yet. Of so, I mean, course they would. They want to get those pre-order dollars. I mean... This is Doug Bowser's thing now. This isn't a... Oh my god, that's system. right. It's Bowser. It's not... 
Reggie Philomez. It's it's not a Philomene kind of situation anymore. This is Bowser time. Bowser's all about making them dollars. Hey. Which, hey, make them dollars, Nintendo. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you in the least little bit. Right? So, so that's Nintendo. Really what I want to end on is I I would be remiss if I, because I didn't really have anything to, to get into with EA Play. The Jedi game looks fantastic. Fall but every, every Yeah, but every, every Star Wars game and an EA presser has looked fantastic. And then when it's gotten in my hands, it's been something else. So I'm holding off and reserving judgment. Yeah, show, actually... show me the lightsaber. Let me touch it. Right. And then I'll decide because I have been burned, especially on the one too many times, way too many times. Right. Right. But what I do want to talk about is Xbox before we go. And I have to talk about it. So I'm going to preface everything that I'm about to say with, yes, I am an Xbox MVP. I'm proud to be an Xbox MVP, but that doesn't in any way, shape or form bias my opinions about PlayStation or Nintendo or Xbox. What I will say is I loved loved the Xbox briefing. One because of Cyberpunk 277. I I can't wait to get my hands on that. CD Product Project Red makes phenomenal games. Witcher 3 is still one of I think probably will go down in like one of my my top 10 it's it's inching ever so closer to top five games of all times. They they just make great games. And, you know, from the first moment that we saw Cyberpunk to the 40 minutes of gameplay that we got, I've just always felt like this was going to be probably one of the biggest branching storyline games that I I would ever get to play. And I'm I'm really just on board for that. And the game continues to not disappoint visual-wise and customization and and branching narratives. And then they added in fucking Keanu Reeves as a character. Here's here so I love Keanu Reeves. Uh-huh. Great actor, great soul, uh-huh. great guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. Mm-hmm. But only like the smallest grain of salt worried. Like like just a little a little speck. Not enough to be like, oh no, this is like the end of all times. Like I get excited when you see when you start seeing stars involved in the medium. Like my heart leapt when Norton Remus, you know, came out for Silent Hills and then that went away, but then he came back as Death Stranding. Like I lose my shit when my reality blends into my passion that way. Okay. And I mean, and I'm not the only one who feels that way. It's evident because literally while he was out there, you know, just kind of literally saying cyberpunk 2077 for a while, that literally people lost their damn minds for like four minutes. But I hope that his involvement is not shallow because that he's is been a powerhouse. As a character, so I feel like that, it's an entire campaign. That's the, he's a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. But we've had instances where games get a big name and then underutilize them. For we've seen this happen. Are and you I don't about want Fortnite skins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. All I'm saying mm-hmm. 
is he is too much of a national treasure. Yep. I, to and, get that and that's kind the of thing treatment. is I I don't think that CD Projekt Red would use him in that way. Like I mean, the big thing, hey guys, was, he did John Wick, guys. So no, no, how about we but, not fuck? But, but with here's the, the thing with that you need to understand, and I think because it, it, it was an article that I read, and I really love this. You know, many many times developers, when it comes to like these kind of briefings, will want to use celebrity endorsers to do their announcements so that they get you know the ten minutes of fame and all that kind of thing, right? Right. I I just think like one of the things that that's really important is that you know. A lot of companies want to use celebrity endorsements at events like this so that they can, you know, get some more of the media share and the headlines and things like that. And more times than not, the publishers, you know, vet the requests from from companies and are, you know, sometimes decline them because, hey, it's not like a fit for the brand or, you know, a fit for the overall theme or or they realize that, you know, they're they're using it as a shock and awe and not really relying on the product being good enough to to carry the weight by itself, right? And right. there was this really great um, interview that was done with, I think it was Phil Spencer, and, you know, talking about, you know, the Keanu moment. And he was like, look, like, you know, we we really try to keep the celebrity on stage thing to, like, a real minimum, you know, unless it really, really fits with the the product we we keep it off stage. We let the game speak for themselves, the product, the hardware to speak for themselves, you know, and, and then we go about it. But CD Projekt Red came to us and said, look, like, this is a big piece of this game and it's really important. And, you know, Keanu is on deck for doing this and he's he's so heavily involved in the game that, you know, we just feel like this is the right way to present it and to announce, you know, this character in the game and, and this piece and that's what convinced Microsoft to let them do it because they they don't really do it because they've seen it, you know, you know, fail more times than succeed for other people. And so I I just think that that to me says a lot about how CD Projekt Red sees Keanu fitting into the game and what they've done. Because again, you know, they hit him up over, you know, two years ago or a year ago, I think he said in an interview to, you know, come and see this thing that they were pitching to him to be a part of the game. And, and he really liked the narrative and the thing that he was involved in. So I don't think it's just like a simple, like small side mission. I think that it's a, a bigger running narrative. I think that he may be one of the leaders of one of like the big organizations possibly in the game. And, you know, just in the amount of detail that they've used to render him in the game tells me that there's a heavier investment than just a flash in the pan Here's a celebrity for celebrity's sake. CD Projekt Red already had my money for 2077, but but that psh, nailed it, linked it, like, done. Like, I'm done. I'm in. But part of the reason why I was so impressed with, and really, out of all the briefings, I would probably put Xbox at number one, Square at number two, Bethesda at three, as far as my top three go. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to be particular, throwing somebody after that, it would be Nintendo's Treehouse, and then it would be UB. And my main reason for saying that is Microsoft, Xbox in particular, seemed really focused on games. Whether it was new game announcements for new studios, like uh, the new Ninja Theory game, looks dope. And I was so glad to see, like, a new IP from them. 
And from everything that I heard from my friends on the show floor that actually went hands-on with it, it is absolutely fun. And you know me, I like a good fighter, a good brawler, so I'm down to mess around. Let's let's get in there. Talking about Project Scarlet and that the new Halo game is going to be a release title for Project Scarlet next holiday, being definitive about that really really made me feel great but it just seemed very focused on you know world premieres whether it was brad o'toads id games you know bringing back some other favorites talking about the final games that they were bringing from the xbox catalog into back compatibility announcing you know games pass ultimate which i thought was a phenomenal thing to do and to do the dollar deal which if you're not familiar with it Basically, you can now get Games Pass and Xbox Live Gold as a bundled thing for one price per month. So you can get it for $14.99 a month instead of paying independently for Xbox Live Gold and Games Pass. But what they did really great for E3 for the limited time was they bundled them both together and said, hey, if you already have Xbox Live Gold, which many people do, and buy it, you know, not on a month-to-month basis, but on a three-month, six-month, or year-out basis. And if you buy it on a year, you can only stack three years at a time of Xbox Live Gold. They said, hey, if you have Xbox Live Gold right now, and you sign up for Games Pass Ultimate, which we'll let you do for a dollar, we will give you credit for the remainder of your Xbox Live Gold that you have. So you won't renew in Games Pass Ultimate until you were due to renew in gold. That is pretty neat. So if you already had, like me, two years of gold stacked and had a year of Games Pass already stacked, when you signed up for Games Pass Ultimate, you got credit for up to 36 months. So I don't renew my Games Pass Ultimate for three years, and when I do... My first month is only going to be a dollar. Woo! That's a damn nice (laughs) deal, you know, for 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 to get both because the Games Pass library is getting very large because both independent developers as well as your big AAA guys are seeing value in the subscription thing and leaving their games in for three months. Because let's be real, for most games, for most people. You play them for about a month or two months. Like, if they're really good and you're enjoying them. You play them maybe for two months to actually get through the campaign, get all the trophies or gamer score that you want to get out of the thing, yada, yada. And then you move on to something new, right? And so it's better for me, especially if I have a game that is going to have DLC and be ever-evolving, to get you to buy in to the subscription and I continually get a cut out of that subscription than a one-time fee. I can get my one-time fee people on release date, but for many people a year or two removed from the game, it's hard to get those new people into the game because you're not putting your focused big marketing dollars behind that. You're putting your big focused marketing dollars behind whatever the new hit of the day is that you're trying to get people from day one. So the subscription thing allows those people who weren't maybe on platform or on board day one at day 500 for you to still be able to make residual income off of that. 
and convert still to paid because many people, if they find a game that they really enjoy in a subscription service, they end up buying the full retail version so that they don't lose the game whenever it leaves the rental library, right? So it's a really good model for, one, residual income, also growing your fan base and capturing new users and converting them to franchise holders, So it's just a smart play all the way around to have your games in a subscription service, whether it's your own or it's one of the bigger ones. You know, look at Steam, look at Epic's Game Store, look at EA Play, look at Games Pass, right? Like they're they're all very lucrative winning markets. So I was really excited about that, and that also seemed very gamer focused. You know, and they and they talked about games that are coming to their platform, both their first party stuff and their third party stuff. You know, and they showed off some of the third party stuff, which I thought was great. You know, the Call of Duty game getting shown off. I probably will play it. But the biggest thing for me that was surprising, that was unexpected, was Double Fine being part of Xbox Game Studios now. That one was surprising to me. I did not think that, you know, Double Fine would be acquired, but it makes sense that Xbox was the one to acquire them. So if you didn't catch the briefing or you weren't paying attention, Double Fine is now part of Xbox Game Studios. Oh, no, I'm aware. And, like, Tim Schafer came out and I thought gave, like, the most adorable little, you know, stage thing of, like, saying that, you know, Everybody at Double Fine was a team player, so if Matt, yeah, Matt Booty, uh, who heads up uh, the Xbox division, because Phil is focusing on PC gaming right now, came out and was like, if you need Excel things, like we'll do it. If you need stuff in Word, we've got you. And if you want us just to focus on games, we can do that too. And Matt, you know, laughs and was like, no, really, Tim, I think we just want you to like focus on making great games. And he's like, oh, thank God, because we do not know Excel like that. And I just thought that that was, you know, as far as, like, planned briefing jokes, was executed well and almost felt, like, unrehearsed and natural. But, you know, Xbox, to me, just seemed very focused on games and the gaming environment. You know, I thought it was really impressive that they actually brought their uh, Project xCloud stuff, which is their uh, streaming game service, to the floor, so it was actually playable on the show floor. Uh, a few of my friends who were there in town actually spent some time playing some Forza and a few other games that were being beamed literally from servers to mobile devices with Xbox controllers and playing games. And um, people said that there were low to no latency issues. So it seems like Microsoft may be getting very close to having Project xCloud in a place where it actually is going to make sense. Uh, to use out in the public and you know I'll tell you if they bundle xCloud streaming with this ultimate games pass thing I I, I don't know how you don't have a winning gameplay there you know because right again for people like I'll tell you right now like if I can because more and more planes are getting better streaming you know bandwidth on their planes on their flights if i can sit on a flight and with no latency have out my ipad and my xbox controller and you know be playing ori or while i'm on a train or while i'm you know on a road trip which i do do you know or just in a hotel room 
at the end of my day on my business trips, if I can prop up my iPad and play Anthem or right. Overwatch, then you and I don't have to transit my whole Xbox. Shit. I can pick something new from Games Pass to play, and it just starts streaming from a server, and I don't have to wait for an install. It just starts running. She. She. Yeah. She. So I was I was impressed with Xbox. What about you? Uh, all those things that you talked about were literally the things I was I was vibing for sure. You know, I, I, the sounds of Scarlet, it, the box sounds like it's going to be a powerful beast. I don't know that I need a beast that powerful. I'm probably going to want one that powerful for sure. You know, I thought that the changes that they made to the Xbox Elite controller, I mean, being able to control the tension in the sticks is really nice. Let me be very just clear. I'm going to be frivolous and buy one. Uh, do, uh, do I have an Elite already? Yes, it's my main controller. Do I have nine other controllers beside my Elite? Yes. Do I touch them? Rarely. No. Am I still going to buy a new Elite? Yes, of course I am. Because <laughs> hashtag new hotness. <laughs> I know. I know. But I am. Because I love that controller. The main reason that I'm going to get an Elite to replace the Elite that I have, and I'm going to get one of the new Elites, is that my grips are finally starting to go. Okay. You know, and I've had this Elite controller for almost two years now, and maybe a little bit over two years. So the fact that the grips are just now starting to go, like the left grip is loose. So like if I'm playing a game where I have to use a thumbstick and I have to go from left to right, my whole hand slips because the grip slips. Oh, okay. So yeah, it and and I can just take the whole grip off, and then I'm just holding the hard plastic, which isn't really comfortable for long periods of time. So I've left the grip on. Like I tried to crazy glue it. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I, I've tried because you know I made an investment with my elite, you know, and let me be very clear. I'm gonna drop it on 150 on the new one when it comes out. Okay. That's going to happen. And I, I'm kind of glad that when I went to the Microsoft store, they didn't have the white Elite because that's what I was going to buy. And now I just have to wait for the new one to come out. And anyway, then I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy it. That's like my first, like, all the briefings, well, our first, all the briefing thoughts. Uh, I want to get into specific games the next time that the two of us get together because there's definitely some some... Destiny things that I want to talk about. I do want to go a little bit more in depth on First uh, Order, the the Star Wars game. Uh, mm-hmm. I also want to talk more about Animal Crossing, uh, and I I also would like you know to talk a, a little bit about some of the indies and some of the peripherals because there were some some other announcements that were really kind of cool. I I don't have anything VR that I want to talk about, but like. There were some things that like Konami had that I want to talk about as well. So if you enjoy this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to our future shows. You can check us out on our website, electricsisterhood.com. You can also get our podcast through iTunes, either on the desktop or through the podcast application 
on your iOS device by searching for the Eshcast and subscribing. That will make sure that you get our brand new episodes the moment that we put them out on the web for your consumption. You can also check out other great articles and reviews and news on our website, electricsisterhood.com. And you can hit us up on our social. We are at ESH News on Instagram, at ESH News on Twitter, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash landofesh. If you enjoy what we do, then please make sure that you check out all the other amazing content creators that are part of our network. That includes our homie King Baby Duck over at No Borders No Race with his bi-weekly show, No Borders No Race, where you can listen to some great music from artists that you probably have never heard of, but really should, as well as check out his thoughts on anime, manga, video games, and so much more. So make sure that you check out B3Crew.com and subscribe to No Borders, No Race, which you can get in iTunes and on King Baby Duck's website, B3Crew.com. One of my favorite people on the planet who does Twitch streaming on Wednesday nights at 9 Eastern, Hamsterman2049, over at SmashedRook.com. Make sure that you tune in and check him out. Typically, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch on his channel streaming new games and old be sure to jump into chat say hi give him a wave and all that good stuff and join him as he plays some really fun games from yesterday and today fill the issues guy with Phil's recap and review my favorite recap show upon all of the interwebs being definitely make sure that you check it out it is so random but so fun you can Check out his archive of shows on his site, issuesprogram.com. And when you're checking out his recaps, you can actually be part of them live, either by calling in or by participating in chat. His Westworld recaps are so good, so good. That's Phil, the issues guy, with Phil's recap and review on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the bell, be notified for new stuff. And check out his site, issuesprogram.com. Then last but certainly not least, keeping you up to date with all the stuff that nerds crave across comic books, TV, anime, music, movies, manga, and more. If it's nerdy at all, the nerds over at nerdcrave.com are talking about it. So please make sure that you visit all of our sites, bookmark them all, so as soon as we put out new content, you can check it out. Almost all of our sites have RSS feeds, so you can put them into your feed reader of choice and peruse at your own leisure. And of course... Download all of our shows. Give us a shout out on social. If there's something you want us to check out or there's something that you think that we might just like, be sure to message us. Send it to us. We'd love to see it. Tag us in your stuff. Ask us questions. If we answer your question, we'll give you a shout out. Or if we talk about your topic, we'll give you a shout out. You can get shout out. Get the shout out. So with that, it's time for us to call it a wrap. I'm Ninja Sister. And I'm Candelicious. Until next time, folks. Titties. Titties.